What up, Power Project? Today we have a really cool episode for you. It's a conversation between Mark Bell and Sean Baker over on MeetRx.com. MeetRx.com is Sean Baker's platform where he gives tons of resources and advice on the carnivore diet, and he even coaches people. Um, Amongst many other things, they actually do these live broadcasts where members can come in, listen live, ask questions, and have them answered on air, which is what happened uh, during this conversation. If you guys want to see the whole video, you guys can find the uh, links down down below in the uh, the show notes, the, uh, the show description here on iTunes or wherever you're listening to this. And uh, if you do like it, please reach out to Sean Baker and let him know that you heard it here on our uh, on our platform. And you wanted to thank him for allowing us to uh, be able to use it to you know deliver to you guys a carnivore heavy conversation. So you know naturally that this episode is going to be brought to you by Icon Meals. Uh, no, just kidding. Um, although we do have an Icon Meals promo code code power project for 10% off. This episode is actually brought to you by certified Piedmontese. If you if you're already in deep heavy in the carnivore diet or you're interested in dipping your toes, uh, the absolute best way to do it is through certified Piedmontese beef. It's the absolute best tasting beef on the planet. It's tender, it's juicy, it's and it somehow cooks faster and has less fat. Don't know what kind of sorcery they're doing to get their cows to be jacked and tan and just so delicious uh head over to piedmontese.com that's p-i-e-d-m-o-n-t-e-s-e.com at checkout enter promo code power project for 25 percent off your order and if your order is 99 or more you get free two-day shipping again huge thanks to sean baker and meetrx.com for allowing us to use this on our platform again if you guys like it let everybody know let mark know let sean know let meetrx.com know and again for all the information please check the show notes of this show and please enjoy this conversation appreciate it yeah i'm excited you're up in uh it looks like you're up at super training from from the looks of things yeah we're in the uh in the podcast room here kill anybody today with some of your recommendations i'm sure i did i'm sure i've killed a thousand people by telling them to to, you know (laughs) Eat food we've been eating from we got to get you we definitely have to get you locked up in jail <laughs> i know i'll see if see if we can get uh uh joel Furman to make a citizen's arrest yeah, you've been you've yeah, been hurting a lot of people you know they've been getting rid of skin disorders and autoimmune disorders and all kinds of stuff yeah it's terrible yeah, yeah a, lot, a lot of these people are here so mark let me i'm gonna let me just tell you so we've got you know we'll get 30 50 60 80 people i don't know how many people i'm showing today we got quite a few and they're all on mute, but they're going to be typing in questions. So I'm going to, I'm going to feed, you know, I'm going to go sort through them and, you know, try to try to select the ones that are appropriate. But uh, I just want to welcome you guys. If you guys don't know, Mark, Mark is someone that I've got to know over the last couple of years. Uh, just a wonderful, wonderful person that's been doing some great things. Uh, Mark has been a, a successful athlete. He was a professional wrestler at one point, And then I know he got into powerlifting where you lifted just a hell of a lot of weight when a few people put a thousand pounds on your back and squat it. Um, I've had a thousand, you know, I actually walked out a thousand pounds in Iraq when I used to strongman and it's not a comfortable feeling. Sure you did. (laughs) (laughs) And it's, you know, it's just that I, I don't know if you ever, I mean, I used to try to do rack pulls with a thousand pounds. I I ended up a couple times passing out. Damn. Yeah. Brutal there. So, Anyway, it's, it's you pushed your body hard. You've done that. You've been extreme. You went from you know being kind of in a tight spot financially, and then turned it around and became a wonderful entrepreneur and uh, been wildly successful, and have inspired you know tens, if not hundreds of thousands of people. And uh, and 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 I've really been just really very excited to see that you stepped into helping people with their health. You know, as as you as you kind of say, you go forward in your career. So. Anyway, welcome, uh, Mark Bell, guys. Uh, you guys, um, I'm going to uh, uh, just uh, let you guys put in your questions. I know we got some people in here that are uh, in the fitness space. I mean, Mark is one of the true experts in the world. He's interacts with the top people in the world, the most you know craziest freaks of nature that you've ever seen <laughs> that walk through his gym every day. And uh, so, anyway, welcome, Mark. How are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. You know, I've been um, riding out the carnivore diet for a while now. Um, you know, you encouraged me uh, long ago and we had you on the show and I took up your challenge and kind of have been, you know, floating around with uh, meat for a while. Um, but even before that, you know, I, I've been meat a meat-based athlete for a very, very long time. And um, I would say probably since I was about 15, I've been on some sort of nutrition plan that included 
uh, meat on my plate at nearly every meal, even when I was kind of uh, being a little bit more destructive with my health and getting my bulk on back in the powerlifting days, almost every meal I had during the day during the day uh, had meat or eggs, um, animal products involved. And then, you know, at night I would have like ice cream or pizza to kind of top off the calories to try to really be, you know, big and heavy and to kind of, uh, you know, I, I competed in every weight class from 181 pounds as a kid, uh, all the way up to super heavyweight and, um, explored all the different weight classes and really was just trying to find like how I can be the absolute strongest. So back then, I did eat uh, carbohydrates and I did eat other things, but I was still being fueled by meat. Yeah, it's kind of like Ed Cohen, you know, as he ran up the weight classes and just decimated everybody in his sight. You know, that's that's pretty, uh, pretty. And you know, and and your brother Chris, you know, as well, I'm sure you all know, he he uh, obviously started doing this, and he, I know he points back to years ago when he kind of did a short trial of you know carnivore red meat right. with Ron Co. Uh, 20 some years ago, he talks about that and then kind of went away from that. But he's discovered that particularly later in life, you look at the audience here, we don't have 15, 16 year old kids in here. We've got, you know, a bunch of people that have been around for a while. And, you know, you see, uh, and as you know, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, Mark, you're like kind of early 40s right now. You're kind of what, about 43 or something like that. Yeah, yeah, I'm 43. And as I was mentioning earlier, I've been kind of on a meat-based plan for a long time, a huge proponent of a ketogenic-style diet as well. So anyone that has tried uh, the carnivore diet or has tried your challenge and maybe has stumbled or maybe has stumbled upon some of my information or my brother's information and you tried the carnivore diet but you're like, man, I just can't quite get the hang of it, you might want to try keto first just because the options – you have a little bit more options. You can make keto treats. You can make fat bombs and some of these different things. I don't advocate that you eat those things all the time, uh, but it might be an easier message for somebody to get on board with in the beginning. And whatever way we can get you on board or whatever way we can get your direction of uh, you losing weight and getting better health, I think, is is a positive. So whatever way you got to get here uh, is uh, is going to be the best thing for you. Yeah, I want to. I'm just going to pick through some of the questions. He says, "Mark, what's the most unexpected benefit you've had so far while doing a carnivore diet?" Um, I would say that you know one of my favorite benefits of a carnivore diet is the fact that it it doesn't feel that hard um, at the stage that I'm at. Now, it could feel very hard for somebody who's new to dieting, but for me, it doesn't feel that difficult. And how lean I'm able to stay on the diet is a huge bonus without really a lot of cardiovascular training. You know, I run here and there and I, I do some different things for uh, some cardiovascular training, but I'm not spending 45 minutes, you know, on a treadmill or 45 minutes on a uh, Stairmaster or anything like that. So the, the probably the best benefit of it uh, has been, has been just that is that, that it's just not that difficult. I get to eat foods. I really enjoy. Sometimes I'm like, this is a diet. Like, you kidding me? Like, I'm eating, you know, uh, omelets with cheese and bacon and, and things like that in it or, um, you know, eating a ribeye. Like, I'm never, I'm never upset about eating a ribeye. You know, I'm always looking forward to it. And so I'd say that that's probably been one of the best benefits. Another benefit has been the, the change um, from keto to carnivore. Uh, in muscle mass and just feeling like a little harder, you know, hard to really describe, but, uh, and also a little bit more energy. And I don't know if that has to do with the protein turning into cheesecake in my body or, <laughs> or what it has to do with, but I just, I feel really, really good. And a, a side benefit that I was never expecting was, you know, I've been walking for the last seven years. As soon as I started to start to take more control over my health, uh, I've been walking and I walk every single day. I walk multiple times a day. I promote 10 minute walks. I think it's a great way for people to get started. And I would have never thought in a million years that I would be running. So out of nowhere, I started running maybe a little bit similar to your story where you started doing these explosive movements and now you're competing, you know, in a world championship for rowing. It's like, it's crazy. You were a big bulky guy, 300 pounds doing Highland games, still a good athlete, still an explosive athlete. Uh, but man, like you wouldn't have been able to move the way you're able to move now. Uh, and that was how long ago were you 300 pounds, 15, 20 years ago? I was 290, 300 
uh, I'd say I'd say when I was 44, so about nine years ago was the last time I. That's when I started. And I just it. imagine you feel crazy, like just so much better than you did in your probably 30s and 40s, even now. Yeah, right? absolutely, that's absolutely. Fun. Hey, I'm just gonna. So, just Lee says you look amazing for 43. Just a comment <laughs> there for you. So to kind of. <laughs> Anyway, but there's a couple questions. I'm going to combine these um, because there are uh, a lot of people talking about stance, you know, vertical diet. And where do you see the role of carbohydrates with regard to putting on mass versus being lean versus performance and what kind of things might you consider? Um, Just uh, that's, uh, that's combining a couple questions. Yeah. Yeah. Stan efforting has no idea what he's talking about. Let's just leave it at that. (laughs) Now, Stan has been a good friend for a long time. He's got a lot of great information. And if you look at his diet, you know, he's also promoting a meat based diet. Uh, Every meal you got, you're going to have, you know, some sort of like hamburger meat or steak or something like that in there. Um, he has a tremendous uh, diet. He's got tremendous information. He wants you to have foods that are going to be easy to digest his diet's called the vertical diet for those people that aren't aware. And I think that – I think it's a fantastic diet for someone that's trying to get like bigger and stronger. One thing I would say that it might be a little bit difficult with, it might be – might have a little hard time for some people. It might be difficult for them to uh, continue to lose weight because of the – just kind of the influx of carbohydrates that are in the diet. I think that it could make – it difficult for a heavier person to control themselves with the amount of, uh, well, with the amount of fat and carbohydrates that they eat. I think that when people hear Stan talk about the vertical diet and they hear him talk about the monster mash and stuff like that, they skim over the fact that he's telling you, look, man, you need to kind of regulate the amount of fat that you're going to consume because we're eating a good amount of carbohydrates. And so somebody could easily make that mistake as long as they're following exactly what Stan says. They're going to get amazing results. I love the diet. I've used his diet many, many times. I'll use it again in the future. Um, It's pretty simple. There's some small amount of fruit in there. There's a little bit of veggies in there, and there's meat, rice, potatoes. Um, I highly recommend that you check out the Vertical Diet, huge proponent of Stan Efforting and everything that he's got going on. Yeah, I I like Stan. I think he's he's doing a good guy. Again, many people are on this diet for health reasons. uh, here's a, this is a question, a little shifting gear. This is a lady, uh, this is Barbara Becker says, I lost a lot of muscle when I was a vegan. I've been carnivore for about two months. Just turned in. What's the best way to begin building back muscle? I'm a 63 year old woman. And I know you've got your mother-in-law doing some stuff. Yeah, so how absolutely. would a woman who's lost a lot of muscle go to sort of rebuild her, her, herself up particularly? Yeah. Yeah. You know, we just, we just need some resistance training. You know, we need some good old fashioned resistance training. So we don't need to complicate anything. Uh, too much. There's, um, in my opinion, there's kind of two main ways to get the muscle to grow. One is to put it under some constant tension, you know, where you do a set of like 10 to 12 reps in a controlled fashion. And then there's a lot of methods that can kind of spin off of that as well. You can do, um, you know, drop sets and things of that nature to really uh, try to exhaust the muscle. But really what we're trying to do is we're trying to send a message to the body, send a message to our muscles like, hey, man, you know, we're tearing you apart and we want you to rebuild every single time we work out. So two main ways of doing that. One is uh, through controlled movements, bodybuilding type stuff. You can even just, you know, look up bodybuilding workouts. I think they're fantastic for hypertrophy. No one knows how to grow quite like a bodybuilder. I mean, these guys are and these men and women they're, have tremendous physiques, uh, even those that are uh, natural. And then in addition to that, you might want to look into some powerlifting. You might want to look into something that is going to uh, have some explosive movement, something that's going to have some heavy weights in there. Um, that's going to help increase bone density. Um, there's not a lot of reasons to um, there's not a lot of reasons to feel that you're going to get hurt doing these uh, movements and stuff. It's just it's a matter of you know maybe finding the right coach or um, exploring the right types of exercises and movements. So. Maybe instead of a regular bar for deadlifts, maybe you utilize a trap bar. Maybe instead of a regular squat, you do a box squat. You know, things things like that. But you really want to try to get yourself uh, over the fear of handling heavy weights. Handling heavy weights is going to be critical. And you want to figure out a way for you to handle heavy weights in, in whatever that means for you uh, specifically. It could mean that you do like farmer's carries. You could do sled drags. I mean – 
there's a lot you could push your car, you know, it sounds kind of uh, wild or crazy, but literally anything that you can think of that's going to feel safe or feel good for you, I'd advise you to do it. Anything that doesn't feel good and feels like crap and you go to try to do it and you're like, man, I don't know about that. Do not, just don't do it. Just don't pursue it. And maybe try to learn it at some other time, but you can even pick up a heavy medicine ball. You know, heavy for you could be 30 pounds. Pick up a 30-pound med ball and walk around with it for a few minutes. I mean, these things are going to, especially if you've never trained before, you could literally go out in your front yard and move around some rocks and and, uh, gain some muscle from that. Awesome. So here's another Michelle Meixner says, Mixer, I'm not sure how you say your name, Michelle, but uh, what are your thoughts on lifting to failure? Something like Fred Hahn's slow burn style. So it's kind of a, I guess it'd be sets to full failure. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that versus, you know, a more program workout? So Lee Haney, you know, one of the most famous uh, bodybuilders of all time. I think he has more titles than anybody in the history of bodybuilding. Uh, Lee Haney, you know, was famous for saying, we're trying to stimulate, not annihilate. So, Going to failure can be effective, but for how many sets are we really talking about? So I would say that almost almost everybody in my circle, most of the people are in agreement of like, hey, you know what? Like you got to kind of get close to that in order to get hypertrophy and all in order to stimulate change. You need to push your body to a, to a certain limit. Um Going to failure, I think, is okay, but I like, I personally am a little bit more of a fan of a technical limit. A technical limit would be you're deadlifting and you're doing a set of eight, and on set number six, or rep number six, rather, uh, your butt shoots up, your back rounds over, and uh, it's very difficult to kind of lock the deadlift out, and you don't proceed any further because you're like, you know what? Like, I'm just going to. I'm going to quit while I'm ahead. That was a really good set. I wanted eight reps really badly, but it's just not in the cards for today. Um, and then that's where you kind of want to, you know, be smart and, and kind of move on from the exercise. But in general, going to failure is fantastic. And normally under normal conditions, under normal conditions, you're not going to hurt yourself with it when the reps are kept high. You know, if we keep the reps kind of high, then the percentage of weight that we're going to use is low. And also, if we use controlled movement, you're going to run out of steam a little bit faster. So uh, that's not the standard way, you know, of some like maybe CrossFitters don't train that way, uh, throwers and things like that. People that are trying to be real explosive, they don't really train that way. Um, But when you're trying to train explosively, in my opinion, that's where you might um, be more susceptible to injury, especially when you're not used to training. So the safest way to to work out, in my opinion, um, although I still think you should be able to have the attributes to be able to sprint and do things explosively, but the safest way to train, um, I believe, without question, is is to utilize some bodybuilding. And uh, those forced reps and going to failure can be really, really effective. I would just say that you only want to go to failure just a couple of times in a workout, you know? So if you're doing a, let's say you're doing a back workout, um, let's say you do three sets of lat pull downs, where you're only going to go to failure on one set of those. Then you proceed over to the seated row and you do another three sets. Well, you're only going to, you know, do one set to failure. That might be all you do for the day. So you did six sets, but you did two sets uh, to failure. That might be just uh, just fine uh, for a workout if you worked really hard on it. Yeah, and I think I think Ed Cohn was uh, pretty famous for saying he'd always leave one in the tank, you know, one rep in the tank. You know, he never pushed himself to, to, to complete failure in training anyway. So absolutely. Here's a question that somebody asked about. Um, let me lost. I got so we got we got a whole bunch of questions. <laughs> let me find it here. Saying I was like. Uh, Leo's asking, do you think that eliminating plant toxins, you know, has helped you more or was it just a reduction in carbs? Do you find it some, it's full carb reduction or is it certain, you know, plant compounds that seem to provide benefit to you personally? You know, I, I, um, I can eat, you know, from a, from a septic tank. (laughs) Um, so like, I don't think, um, the elimination of really anything has done, much for me other than eliminating processed foods because I just have a tendency to be a fat boy and I just want to eat them. So um, for me personally, uh, I've always had kind of a cast iron stomach and and I can 
kind of eat anything and I've never noticed a negative impact and I've never, uh, you know, I've never like done a squat and been like, oh my God, it must have been the broccoli I had last night that's hurting my knee. Um, I've never had uh, complications like that. However, um, I think that everybody's body can be different and people's bodies can be kind of complicated and they do, uh, obviously people have autoimmune disorders and things like that. Um, but I, I don't think autoimmune disorders, I don't think, I don't think they even come from that kind of stuff. I don't think they come from vegetables. I think our problems come from, uh, at a young age, developing very bad habits. I think that people don't sleep enough. I think that people don't hydrate enough. I think that, you know, it's, it's a cascade of a lot of issues and then people get way behind and then perhaps the vegetables are, are causing, uh, in, inflammation, on top of the things that they already have pre-existing. But in general, I think everybody would be in agreement with this, is that America is very unhealthy. And in order for us to, in order for us to um, fight our way out of the deficit that we're in, in terms of our health, we have to go way the other way, which we shouldn't really have to have ever had to do a lot of these things, in my opinion. Um, I think that if you lived a life where you just uh, simply – uh, didn't consume a lot of fast food, didn't have snacks, didn't have uh, dessert, and didn't eat fried foods, and you uh, ate a good amount of protein, I think that you probably would have never had to be on a diet and that you wouldn't really have to worry about managing your health. Because I'm not a believer, at least not yet anyway, it doesn't seem like there's enough evidence that any sort of diet, whether it be veganism or keto diet or um, – you know, or a carnivore diet, it doesn't appear at the moment that anything's going to give us an extra 5% or 10% life. However, it does appear that when you, if you follow the rules and you do live a life that allows you to have full metabolic access of what your body is supposed to be able to do, that you could have a hundred years of really, really good living. And I think that that's amazing because I think that a lot of people are, uh, not necessarily living longer, but I think that people are dying longer. We're just kind of hanging in there for a longer period of time, but then we are not able to even remember our own life. Your memory gets erased when you have dementia and Alzheimer's, and um, there's it's just a lot. Just it just sucks, you know. It sucks that people are are having to suffer, and hopefully, uh, by utilizing some of these techniques and utilizing some of the information out there, um, we can live a longer and stronger life. Yeah, I think that's a great, great sort of way to look at things. I like that dying longer because we do have people that sit there and they literally, <laughs> I mean, the last 20 years are basically slow death. Um, Jeff is asking about health issues and depression. Kept me on the couch for years. Any tips, tips for getting off the couch and becoming an athlete? Man. Well, so you can start in the kitchen or you can start, you know, outside with a walk. Um but you got to start somewhere. I think that the fat and lazy thing, I think, is um, I think is an unfortunate perspective on people that are obese and people that are overweight. Um, they already know that they're not moving enough, but they don't feel good enough. They don't feel they don't feel good about it. Um, you know, maybe maybe it would be similar to me being forced to uh, read every day. I suck at it. Like I don't want to do it. I'm not motivated. I, it has it uh, has no. Um, it's not interesting to me, you know, uh, the, the benefit of, of knowledge of reading a bunch of books certainly interests me, but the trouble that it, that it is for me to read, I'm like, screw that. I don't want to do that. So I understand where a lot of people are at when it comes to, I can empathize with them and I can understand, but you do have to figure out a way to get started. You know, that is, and it's probably going to be the hardest thing, but you know, if we if we try to make some sense of some stuff, like what's something that is easy? Like how do we define easy? Well, easy would be something that you can do. So if you weighed 400 pounds and you said, man, I'm really in a bad way. I don't feel good about myself. My wife hates me. I hate my job. I don't like my wife. I don't like this. I don't like that. And you don't really find a lot of satisfaction in a lot of things. Well, I could say, hey, like what are some things that are going to be fairly easy for you to get done? And I want things to be so easy for people where they're like, give me a break, dude. Like, give me a real challenge. Like, that sounds like a piece – that sounds – not a piece of cake. That sounds too easy, right? And uh, so 
where I would start with most people is say, hey, man, can you get outside? You know, can you you have any time in your day to where you could get outside? You know, you got some time, minutes in your day where you can get outside. Why don't you try to go for a walk? You know, try to go for a 10 minute walk. And then you want to find things that are easy and simple because those things should be repeatable. Maybe a 10 minute walk is like kind of hard for you at the moment, but that's okay. As long as it's simple enough that you can repeat it, then we're going to be on the right path. Maybe through your walking or and or maybe through your diet, you're going to start to exercise more or through your exercise, you'll start to pay attention to your diet more. But um, the main thing I would say is like you figure out like what are the things that are triggering you to even be on your couch in the first place? Is it your Netflix account? Is it your cable? Like stop, stop, stop paying for it. Stop purchasing it. you right. Like um, you're streaming uh, Netflix or whatever it is. It costs you a lot more than $9 a month or whatever it is, $8 a month. It's costing you your life and you're not paying attention to that. So maybe rather than having that be such a detrimental cost, maybe you only buy like DVDs so you can watch stuff on your own time when you really want to uh, in your own way and you can, you know, channel your energy towards some more positive stuff. So that would be it, it, extreme times call for extreme measures. And I would maybe even consider just completely throwing your couch in the fucking garbage. <laughs> Take that thing and hurl it out. Mark, somebody asking uh, your thoughts on blood flow restriction training. Have you have you messed with that much? And what are your thoughts on on its utilization? I think it can be great for somebody that has um, like an injury. You know, you basically you you uh, you wrap up an uh, an, an, in, an injured area. Um, let's just say it's your hamstring, and you would you would wrap your leg up with say like something like a knee wrap, and you wrap it super super tight. And it's pretty crazy. Like it hurts. It hurts really bad. Then what you would do from there is you'd maybe walk around a little bit and maybe do a couple sets of leg curls. Um, you can't have it on for very long because it's on there tight and it's really restricting the uh, the blood. But in terms of it being like something magical for like growth, I, I don't – I haven't seen anything that shows that it really does a whole lot. But it does appear and and from my own personal usage of the technique – um, it's absolutely fantastic if you have an injury. Okay. Somebody's asked me about your salt intake. Are you adding additional salt? Are you using salt for training? What, what are your thoughts on sodium and salt? I'm actually, uh, injecting salt right into my veins nowadays. I've been doing, I've been doing that quite a bit. What's hard is, you know, the, some of the salt, you know, some of the pellets of the salt are so big that it's very lumpy and it's hard to get in there. I'm fucking with everybody, by the way. <laughs> um, I uh, I like salt. I use salt quite a bit. I um, I put it in my coffee. Um, I like utilizing it on food a little bit better than I like to just randomly throw it in water and drinks and stuff. Just because I feel like I feel like things go to be- go together better with food. Like even like vitamins and minerals and things like that. Like I utilize some supplementation. I utilize some uh, like magnesium and some vitamin D and some vitamin K and stuff like that. And I always think that it's – I don't usually take those things fasted. I normally will take them uh, with a meal. So, yeah, I add salt, but I really don't have a good idea of how much salt that I consume. I was doing my bodybuilding show, and uh, I was talking over things with my coach, Hani Rambad. He was like, how much salt do you think you have in a day? Because, you know, the water manipulation is a thing in bodybuilding. And I was like, I don't know. I think I have about 10 grams a day. <laughs> Cause I started trying to like add it up and he was like, Holy fuck. He's like 10 grams a day. He's like, you're going to, he's like, you're going to die. I'm like, no, I, I actually feel really good. So anyway, what, what he did is he had me, uh, just reduce the amount of salt a little bit for, for periods of time. And he wanted to see what I looked like when, uh, I tried different amounts of salt, but I told him, I was like, man, my workouts are really, they're not going anywhere, you know, like they, they don't feel great. And so he's like, all right, we'll bring the salt back up. So, yeah, I, I would if I was to guess, I would say I'm probably somewhere between eight and 10 grams of salt almost every single day. How about yourself? Any idea? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't really track it. I, I take quite a bit of salt. You know, I, I've been messing around. Rob Wolf sent me some of that limit stuff, that element stuff. So I've been trying that in the morning and um, I, I do feel better, you know, from a from a performance standpoint. You do know, you just, track? Just a- do you track anything? Um, 
just performance really. I, I, you know, I, I eat to, to, to sort of intuition. Um, and then I kind of track performance and a little bit look, cause that's, that's a metric I really care about quite honestly. Yeah. Um, there's a question here. It's kind of probably an obvious question, but Leah asked, what are your thoughts on steroid use and muscle growth? Does it work? <laughs> that's great. Yeah. yeah, it works. It works tremendously. You know, um, anabolics are, are a very interesting thing and I think they, um, they change a lot of what we know about nutrition, I think. Um, but they, the weird thing about steroids is that they don't, um, they don't like multiply on top of themselves, you know, like, um, uh, like let's say Dr. Baker that you can, let's say you can squat 500 pounds on the box for, you can do like 10 reps or something like that. Right. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So you, let, let's just say you can do like eight reps. Right. And if you took anabolics, um, you might be able to squat 550 for 15 reps, you know, or you might squat 700 off the box and be like, holy shit, that really did a lot for me. And you might gain, you might gain 20 pounds. But here's something to kind of think about is what if you gain 20 pounds anyway? Like what if you gain 20 pounds naturally? Now you would, you would automatically, not automatically, but you would end up being a little stronger anyway, just from the weight gain. But steroids, they really they, – they don't just put body weight on you. They get, they're going to put muscle mass on you. But once you get that first burst, you're not going to gain 20 pounds of muscle and then four months later gain another 20 pounds of muscle and then four months later get – you know. So it doesn't multiply on itself. Once you play the steroid card, that's the card that you play and that's – and it's over with. And so like for myself, I've been on anabolic since I was about 25 years old. I've been on and off of them, but you don't go from, you know, before I took them, I did a 500 pound raw bench press. After I took them, it took me to 578. So it, it doesn't really, you know, if it multiplied on top of itself all the time, I, I would have benched 900 pounds, right? So it can give you a nice boost going from 500 to 578 is, is, a, is a huge boost. Um, but it doesn't do a lot of the stuff that I think everyone just thinks it's this magical like recovery uh, formula and that it's going to, you know, help you gain like 80 pounds of muscle and you're going to be shredded out of nowhere. Yeah. I mean, I've seen, and you're looking at powerlifting numbers, it seems like the, the, you know, the, the guys on steroids are doing about 10 to 15% more over what the, you know, the guys that are supposedly, you know, not seeing it. So that, that, that's right. in 578 on top of 500 is about 15%. So that kind of, kind of goes with that pretty right. well. Um, somebody asked about what do you think about Arnold Schwarzenegger becoming an advocate for plant-based diets? You know, I, I don't, um, I don't understand, you know, what, you know, what, what his, uh, interest in that was, but, uh, maybe just, you know, maybe, maybe he honestly believes in it. I think sometimes people are just like not informed all that well. You know, I hear people like, I don't, I don't get mad about veganism because I don't know anything about it really. I haven't really even really looked into it. I don't have any interest in being a vegan. Um I but I don't I don't dislike it. I've never tried it. I don't know a lot about it, but I I really, you know, with Arnold and his career and kind of how he built himself up, um it was a surprise to me. You know, I'll always be a huge Arnold Schwarzenegger fan, doesn't matter what he does at this point. Um, even if he was to uh, knock up his maid and, and have a baby with him, it wouldn't bother me. <laughs> I'll always be a fan of Arnold. But, yeah, it was kind of a weird choice. I was like, oh, that's weird. You know, what's, what's the deal with that? Yeah, I think he, uh, you know, I think he's helping his friend James Cameron out a little bit. But let me – here's a question Rick's asking about frequency of training. How often should I train a body part? He said, notice when I stop pushing to failure – what for more frequency? I got better gains. Any thoughts on frequency training? That's outstanding. You know, the information on frequency has been something that is is fairly new to me. Um, it's fairly new ish in powerlifting. Where it's not new is in like Olympic weightlifting, where they've utilized like squat every day programs and things like that. And when some of that started to come into powerlifting, I was like, "This is insane! No one's going to get any gains from this. Like, people are just going to get hurt." And that started kind of coming around over the last 10 years, and people have gotten insanely strong. Um, I can't even tell you how many 900-pound deadlifts I've seen you know, over the last several years. And a lot of it has to do with increased uh, frequency. Um, there's people that are benching and squatting, and the, the female lifters are a great example of this because females – 
because females <laughs> under normal circumstances aren't uh, as neurologically efficient as males, meaning like they can't tap into their one rep max quite as well as a male athlete because a male athlete sometimes is uh, more explosive. And so like a female can take a, a similar weight that a guy could from a percentage standpoint, let's just say it's 90%. A girl can do like eight reps sometimes with 90%, whereas a guy is lucky if he can do one 1. 1.5 reps or so, you know, before he uh, kind of passes out from it. Um, and because of that, females, they can train more frequently. But then what have we seen with the females? The, the improvement from the males has been great in powerlifting. But the improvement from females in powerlifting and CrossFit and Olympic lifting has skyrocketed. Like it's just – it's absolutely insane where like I'm almost embarrassed to even look at these girls lifting nowadays because I'm like I was going to post that I did this same weight. <laughs> but but now that a 140-pound girl or 123-pound or girl like Steffi Cohen – uh, posted that she did 505 for six reps on a deadlift or something. I'm not making my post anymore, you know? So uh, training frequency is is absolutely uh, fantastic. And if you if you have a body part that you just want to like, quote unquote, bring up, you, you have uh, weak shoulders or just small shoulders or sloped shoulders and you want them to be like wider, you want them to be stronger. Um, gaining a work capacity to be able to train them more would be really advantageous. It'd be really smart. Um, same thing with like just wanting to improve your bench, work your way into being able to train your bench three or four or five times a week. Now that doesn't mean you're going to train it that long forever. There's got to be kind of an end date to everything. And you just want to build up that accumulation. And then you also need to know how to do that, um, which can be kind of confusing and kind of difficult. So you would need a coach. You can go to someone like a Chad Wesley Smith has a lot of great information on that. My friend Jesse Burdick has a lot of great programming on things like that. Um, but the main thing is when it comes to training in general, no matter what you're training for, you always have to be uh, prepared for whatever it is you're about to do next. And I think that's a missing element in in training in general. So if you're going to, if you're like, oh shit, I want to try that. Mark said to train you know, the same body part four or five days a week. Uh, it's going to be a period of time. You're going to go from once a week to twice a week for a few weeks, then three times a week for a few weeks, and then four times a week for a few weeks. And then that five times a week, how long are you going to be able to handle that for? You know, you're only going to be able to do that for a real short period of time. Then once you spin back out of it, that's where your strength would be through the roof because you have basically beaten the shit out of yourself over a period of time. And that's where you'll get something like super compensation will happen where your body will start to adapt to all the training that you did. Yeah. One comment I'll make, and I've always been a, a kind of a guy that thrived on higher volume, higher frequency, frequent body part training. I've, I've always liked that. And I, you know, my body's responding well. And when I'm able to do that, I feel great. And I think performance gets better for me. Um, I found that the diet, certainly the carnivore diet has helped with recovery quite a bit to where I can do that more often. Um, Someone's asking about intermittent fasting, and I know you. I know you. You sort of do this quite a bit. I, I think I even had a post on that today, showing your crazy shredded veiny arms. But mm -hmm. I mean, uh, do you think that intermittent fasting in com combination with carnivore will accelerate results? And I'm sure that's. I assume that's regarding weight loss. What feeding window do you recommend? So you know, I, I think. Um... I, I'm not a fan of like counting or tracking anything. Like it just confuses me or annoys me. Like even with fasting, I'm like, man, how many hours is that? 10, 12, you know, I'm sitting there and I'm like, just to hell with it. Like I don't, I don't want to sit there and try to uh, figure a lot of it out. So when it comes to fasting, what I've done is I just have tried to shrink down the eating window, but I also am always trying to be reasonable. And I think this is where people might get messed up with their diet. You know, how, if you start getting uh, like irrational with your diet and you start thinking that if I eat, eat outside of this eating window, I'm going to get fat, you know, like we start making up ridiculous things in our head. If I eat a carbohydrate, I'm going to get fat. If I go off the diet, I'm going to get fat. If I, and, and then you think you're, you're a big failure and it just, it just perpetuates this kind of like downward spiral and you got to be very, very careful with these things. So the way I like to view eating in general is kind of in a three to five day window. If you fasted on Monday 
let's let's say you did a 20 hour fast on Monday and let's say you did an 18 hour fast on Tuesday. Well, now it's Friday and you say, screw it because urges and cravings and stuff hits you Friday, Saturday, Sunday, boom, downward spiral. You're just eating donuts and <laughs> eating pizza, uh, having drinks with your friends and stuff. And then you're like, okay, I got to get back to fasting. And then you do the same thing the next week. Well, the fasting is not working. And I think people need to be cautious of that and they need to pay attention to that. If you can handle fasting, that's fine. But what I do for myself is I usually just try to have a small eating window. That is a lot less math for me. I'm like, hey, about a two to four hour eating window would be great. If I don't feel like I can get my calories in and if I'm like, holy shit, like I'm I'm actually really hungry, then I will um, – I might break the fast. I might con- I might expand the eating window. I might say screw fasting for the next couple days. Um, fasting is, is a great weapon. It's a great thing to utilize. But what I'd like everyone to think about when they're trying these diets is, you know, if you start pulling everything away, then what are you left with? You know, you're, you're going to be left with feeling lethargic. You're going to be left with hating Dr. Baker because you're gonna be like, that meat diet doesn't work, man. But it's because you ate so much less and you're not listening to the message enough. You're not hearing the full story. When you try this diet out, if you're new to this diet, don't mess with fasting. Just eat. Eat meat, eat eggs, maybe throw in some butter, maybe throw in some bone broth. But make sure you eat. Make sure you're really well nourished. Get used to the food first. Now, if you want to mess around with some fasting, I found some great benefits with fasting, uh, but I just really recommend just trying to shrink down that eating window and maybe a way to work into it. As I mentioned with training earlier, you always want a way to work yourself into these things rather than uh, just trying them out of nowhere. You know, maybe you first uh, start out with just saying, you know what, I'm just going to not eat two hours before bed. And I'm going to skip breakfast. Like that would be a great, that would be an amazing place to start for your fast. And then I think what happens on the carnivore diet, and I think where a lot of people have naturally stumbled upon fasting, I think that's even more effective than actually just like trying to start fasting out of nowhere. You end up with what I've I've been kind of calling it inadvertent fasting because you're getting, you're filling up your cup every single day of your protein requirement. You're filling up your cup of your energy requirement with your fats, and then you're filling up magnesium and zinc and B vitamins. You're filling up all these cups all day long, so you don't need anything else. You have everything that you need. You know, it's it's almost like the kind of afterglow effect of like sex. If you have sex, that urge is hopefully taken care of at least for a little bit there, and you don't have to think about it as much anymore. And I think the same thing happens with your food. You get you get rid of a lot of these cravings and urges because you satisfied everything that you need. You have everything that you need for the moment, and then you can continue onward without food. And that's kind of what my brother has done. He doesn't really try to fast all that often, but he might eat breakfast and then not eat for eight, eight hours, and then he'll eat again, things like that. And I think that that's where you're at with the diet. Is that right? Oh, I might have lost your. Sorry, I muted myself because mm-hmm. there were in the background. But let me, I'm going to add on to this a little bit, Mark, just about because people often ask me this question when we talk about because you, I understand you do a lot of your training first thing in the morning. I know you're up beating the sun out there in the gym at four or five o'clock in the morning, getting your training on. How do you find that timing your meals with training? I mean, do you do a lot of fasted workouts? Do you find you do better on certain workouts if you've got some? food that you've eaten recently how do you how do you manage that i would say that i i can work out a little bit better if it's um like midday and i had a little bit of food but i don't i i think it's i think it's more like just the 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 weight and the volume of the food and then it accompanying uh salt you know i think is is a big factor and again if i just chug down a big thing of salt i don't think it would be um, <clears throat> as effective, but the, the gain in that is, is, is fairly minimal, you know, and, and, and might sometimes even just be, uh, might even sometimes be mental, but I usually don't, uh, take anything before or after training a lot of times. Let's talk. I, I know I've heard, I think I can remember who I heard talking with maybe you as maybe it was Ed Cohen talking about cramping up really bad. Do you, do you, and that was obviously, 
a lot of guys, when they're bodybuilding, when they're getting really lean, they get in, have a lot of cramps. Uh, what has been your experience around cramping? Do you get them? How do you deal with them? You know, I have been suffering from like leg cramps for a really, really long time. Um, and, you know, a lot of this stuff is just like, you know, lear- learning your body. I've learned that like if I'm cold um, at night, then for some reason I'm more susceptible to cramping. I'm not sure what the correlation is. Sometimes I might have to go to bed and I'm like, I run kind of hot anyway. So it's like kind of uncomfortable for me, but sometimes I got to throw on like sweatpants or something to get in bed. It depends on how much I trained my legs and things like that. So that has been one thing that has helped. But in addition to that, you know, really staying ahead of the hydration. And um, the other thing that's helped is just, you know, having things like, like you were mentioning um, the electrolytes that you were taking in, like things, things like that can, uh, can be beneficial. Um, I don't have cramps really anymore. I don't get them anymore. And, and I've been running and squatting and like doing all kinds of stuff. And, um, I think a lot of the weird stuff that you, uh, deal with in the beginning, like I used to kind of feel lightheaded, you know, when I first started messing around with keto and I, and, and admittedly, I was just probably wasn't eating enough either, you know? Um, but like all those, all those things have completely, they've completely subsided even when I don't eat that much food. So I think it's just a matter of your body, you know, getting used to it and um, getting adjusted to it. Um, I also think that a lot of times um, cramps can just happen just from your muscles just being extremely tight. So anybody that's really dealing with that and having a, a tough time with that, you might want to try to just a just a few minutes of stretching, you know, just two, three minutes of stretching before you go to bed, I think would be beneficial. Somebody's asking about alcohol on the diet. Um do you think it has the same negative effects as eating a high carb, high fat diet? I know I occasionally have a glass of wine. I know I see you out with Andy at dinner mm-hmm. sometimes. I have a glass of champagne. What are your thoughts on alcohol and diet? Uh, one more thing I want to mention about the cramping that I forgot is so sometimes if you have alcohol and you're on a low carb diet, and if you also start to eat some carbs, that's where I noticed a crazy amount of cramping, and that that, that I would imagine has to do with the shift of where the water's going. But man, I've gotten some crazy cramps from that. So that might be something to be on the lookout for. If you're going to eat carbs because they do suck up some water, you might have to drink a lot more water. In terms of uh, booze, you know, in terms of like just living your life and, uh, you know, like for me, pe- you know, people got all pissy at me the other day. I had a, a poke bowl <laughs> and it had... Um, it had some vegetables in it and people got all bent out of shape and they're like, I thought you're on the carnivore diet. They, they kind of lost their mind. And, um, I, I'm not cult. I'm not cultish that way. You know, I, if a piece of asparagus comes across my plate, I'm probably just going to eat it. I don't really care about it that much. I don't really enjoy it that much, but if it's going to fill me up a little bit more and I'm hungry, then, uh, I don't feel like I have any issues with like vegetables. And then in terms of like, being social and living your life and, and having a good time. Like um, I'm not afraid to have a drink here or there, but I also, I'm not a big drinker by nature. I never really uh, gotten that into it. So it's not something that appealing to me. And so I have to like, kind of want to do it. You know, we had a party the other, the other day and uh, th- those are things that I think about a few days ahead of time. I'm like, okay, you know, I'm almost thinking, I am almost like uh in a defensive stance, you know, like I got my hands up. I'm like, all right, what the fuck's happening on <laughs> on Saturday? You know, like, what do we have going on? How do I control some of the elements of, of what's going to go on? You know, and I'm even thinking about my food for the day. I'm like, okay, we're going to have a party and we're going to have a lot of really good food out, but it's our party. So we're still going to have a lot of meat and stuff like that. And so I'm making sure that I'm mainly eating that stuff, but I also take care of myself beforehand and, and eat. Um, sometimes I eat before I go out to a restaurant, you know, th- things like that. But alcohol and um, just trying to trying to keep your life uh, less stressful, like just fucking have some fun, you know, have a have a good time as much as you can, as long as it's not at too much to the detriment of uh, some of the goals that you have. But yeah, for me, that's been a huge thing for me is like if we're going to go out to eat somewhere, I usually eat a little bit beforehand because I don't know what you're going to I don't know what I'm going to get at the restaurant and you only eat like two or three times a day and you only eat meat. So you don't want to be grumpy about the meal. You know, they overcook your burger or they overcook your meat or whatever. You don't want to be pissy about it. And if you ate already, you don't really care that much. 
Hey, Mara, I saw recently you put up a post uh, about, you said you were able to put on some size and strength and gain some weight on a carnivore diet. A lot of people ask me about it because a lot of people see it's very effective for weight loss, but I have a lot of people saying, how do I, how can I put on weight? How can I put on muscle? What has been your experience with that? And how do you do it? Yeah, I don't know what the reason is or, or you know, why, but uh, it could just be like overall calories, I guess. But I, I brought in a lot of dairy. I brought in a good amount of dairy, and I brought in um, a little bit more uh, butter and uh, and eggs. I ate a little bit more eggs, and that that just made a huge difference. I was able to gain like twenty pounds in a really short period of time. Um, and even here at the gym, everyone's like, "Dude, what the hell?" Like you <laughs> just smacked on a bunch of weight, and I did. I gained a little fat too. I got a little a little puffy from it. Um, but I was, I was making what I was calling krilk. I was taking cream and milk and just dumping them in one container and shaking it up as heavy cream and milk. And I would go through one of those about every other day. Um, I was really just, just smashing. It. I just kind of wanted to see, um, they're going to, I'm going to work on, um, kind of experimenting a little bit more with the carnivore diet. I have a trip coming up. Uh, to Mexico with to Mexico with my wife at the end of this week. When I get back from that, I plan on on kind of messing around with. It. I, I'm just really super curious about you know counting calories and tracking them, and I would love to see what happens. I, I have some theories that I think that the calorie stuff. I think I think the amount of energy that you consume, I think it does matter. Um, but I think that the way that we measure calories, I think, is pretty jacked up. I think, you know, lighting them on fire inside of a box or whatever, whatever way they do it, I don't think is equating all that well over into how it's reacting in individuals' bodies and stuff like that. But I would love to see if I was to eat like five or 6,000 calories, you know, on a carnivore diet, I really don't think I would gain. I think I might gain weight for like a week or a couple days, and then I think it would subside. So something I plan on uh, playing with. I'm sure if the amount of protein that you take in will matter a lot. And so that was something I was going to play with and then hopefully, you know, try to show the audience like, Hey, like, look at, look at kind of like what this does. Look at, look at some of the results. Uh, I'm not trying to sway anybody any particular way. I just want to kind of know for myself and then share that out with people. Yeah. I mean, there's, it's kind of interesting, Mark. So I've looked into this and I've talked to some of these you know, leading guys like Stuart Phillips and Jose Antonio are the pre-protein researchers. And from a muscle standing building standpoint, you know, it's basically, you know, protein, amino acids, uh, you know, leucine, uh, resistance training, and then it's caloric surplus for the most part. And so it can come from fat, it can come from carbs. I know Stan talks about it's easier to overeat carbs to get that. That's why, you know, he's got our guys eating rice because it's easier to stimulate the app. You can probably do some of that with fat. And then Jose Antonio talks about, when you dial that protein way up, you know, there's a point where you just don't gain any more body fat. I mean, it's just, it kind of tops you out when you get a protein. So I think it's going to kind of depend on, you know, where you get your calories from, how much of it's protein, how much is fat. You know, if you, if you, you could probably eat five, 6,000 calories a day. If it's mostly protein, you're probably going to reach a point where you gain a little and then you don't gain any more. And, yeah, and there's that's still a lot of stuff that we, still a lot of weird stuff that we don't know, you know, like, uh, when I, I made a post a few weeks ago about like drinking milk and and uh, and uh, dairy and um, cream and stuff like that, and a few comments were talking about the um, how you don't absorb fat as well from dairy products. So it's like I I don't know, you know, it's it's all just very interesting to me. So I'd love to just uh, kind of put it to the test and you know have an N one and uh, just see what the results are. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see. Oh. Dave asking, so I used to live 30 years ago back when, uh, uh, back in the day, I guess. Um, the goal then was first to lose weight, then add muscle. Do you guys feel that still works or do we need to, you know, I'm more about toning. Do we think mm. we need to weight, lose, lose weight first and then lift? Uh, so do you think you need to lose weight to get leaner and then add, then lift to add, add muscle on or just start lifting? You know, I think we can overcomplicate stuff very easily, and I think that, um, you know, don't be fancy, just be consistent. And so you can kind of chase down more than one thing at a time. You know, I think it's a little bit of a myth that you can't chase down two things at once, but you can chase down several things at one time. It's just that they just can't conflict with each other, you know. It would be a mistake to try to really add a lot of size and to try to get ripped at the same time. But you can, if especially if you haven't really weight trained in a long time, you can certainly lift weights and work on um, 
you know, keep it as it'll be advantageous to you because, you know, gaining that muscle mass uh, will help help you consume more calories, you know, so it'll, it'll be to your advantage to, uh, to work on both things. And I don't think there's one, I don't think there's a reason to like try to lose weight before you go stepping in the gym. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think, you know, particularly, you know, unless you're already like, you know, super lean, right. you know, that's, it's hard to make a difference one way or the other. You either got to pick strength, or you got to mm-hmm. pick getting leaner. And I think for the most people, and probably most people in the audience here, you can put on muscle and lose body fat, you know, particularly if you have a lot of body fat to lose because it's, 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 you know, it's, it's not until you get to the really edges where the, then you really have to do these kind of crazy well, things. Well, and you'll just, you'll even just look bigger. Like you could be, someone listening right now could be, you know, 280 pounds and they try the carnivore diet and they lose 30 pounds, but they've had a decent discipline in the gym with their training. And people will say, hey, man, like, what have you been doing for your shoulders? They look crazy. Your shoulders look big. But you you lost, you know, 50 pounds or whatever. So a lot of times, a lot of times people can't see what you got going on under there until you drop the body fat down. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm just, uh, this is one thing that I, I see, you know, obviously I get a little bit of the same thing, probably and more so than you do. But um, are you getting a lot of pushback from people because you've been, you've been promoting Carnivore diet. I know we, you and I have kind of talked a little bit about you know, guys that are all about calories, Lane Norton, and so on and so forth. I know you said, "Hey, I think there's more to it," or "I, I think it's, yeah. there's reason that that's not the best strategy." What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, I'm trying my best not to give a shit, really, because um, <laughs> I, something I, I kind of have recognized in myself, and maybe maybe you end up being guilty of this as well. Sometimes um, I, I really do want to help people. And I think that in my mission to help people, I sometimes get pissed when they don't agree with me. And I'm like, well, that doesn't really make any sense. I want to help people, but I don't want, I don't want to necessarily turn them into me. And I don't want to live in an echo chamber either. I, you know, I would like to know the truth about nutrition. I would like to find out more information, you know. So it can be hard because people can get really infl- inflamed and inflammatory towards you. But um, – you know, I'm trying my best to, you know, be more understanding. Some of the comments sometimes, um, they're 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 so like over the top, where it's just like they they don't really warrant a response. But sometimes I just find myself I can't help myself. I, you know, I end up, um, you know, wanting to protect myself and wanting to protect uh, my beliefs. But I, I've been working on it lately to try to try to not to, uh, you know, force people to believe in what i believe but but also at the same time like just saying hey look here's the information you know here's here's uh here's what i've found here's what works well for me here's what's working well for a lot of other people and i think that you can enjoy the benefits i i don't i can't imagine and i don't know if you've run into this at all i can't i've i have not seen anyone try the carnivore diet and have it not work i've seen people fail with the carnivore diet and not have a good time with, with trying it and maybe they don't love meat that much. And it just didn't fit, um, didn't fit their lifestyle, didn't fit their personality very well. And, uh, they, they didn't have success with it cause they weren't able to really do it, but I haven't seen anybody not end up with great results from it. Yeah. I would say that, yeah, the vast majority of people seem to get pretty good results. Not everybody gets exactly what they want all the time. You know, some people, We'll struggle a little bit with weight loss. Um, I, I see that's being the biggest biggest challenge. But the, the vast majority of people seem to lose weight, get healthier, feel better. And even the people that are struggling with weight loss, you ask them, why are you still doing it? And they, they say, well, it's because I feel so much better. And I think there's obviously something something there. I mean, clearly giving up all the junk food, you know, all the right. stuff that, uh, you know, that's out there that it tastes good and everybody wants us to eat and it's marketed to, I mean, giving that stuff up is tough, but once you do it, um, it works, uh, you know, pretty, pretty remarkably well. And I think that's a good statement on what's wrong with the, the food system overall. Um, I think Mark, I, I don't want to teach too much time. Uh, <laughs> somebody asked for you to give your thoughts on the coronavirus. <laughs> I don't know if you want to wade into that. I think the uh, carnivore diet will fix it. <laughs> well, it's interesting. You know, uh, we do know that uh, uh, cholesterol, LDL cholesterol in particular, 
uh, can protect us from infection. Mm-hmm. There's some studies out there that show that. So that may be a strategy to deal with that is, is to not uh, not be weak and frail. That's the best way to, to prevent uh, you know succumbing to an illness if you get the virus. Obviously, not you know washing your hands. And right. Sometimes we get so many people packed into cities and buses and trains. Right. That's not natural. Um, I, you're going to be at the Arnold. Somebody says they hope to run into you there. Yeah, you got it. What is the Arnold? It's like it's, it's coming up, isn't it? Pretty soon, uh, Arnold thing. Yeah, I forget the date, but yeah, it's coming. It's coming up pretty soon, and um, we uh we'll be out there doing some podcasts and stuff. And yeah, I'm hoping to run into some fans for sure. What uh, what do you what do you have what do you have coming up, Mark? I know you got so many things going on. Any, any big things you're you're kind of interested or excited about that's coming? I know you and Chris have been doing a little carnivore stuff. What's 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 new for Mark Bell or what's coming up? The Arna Classic is one of them. Um, I know I have a seminar out there. Andrew, you have any idea what the what the date is on that? I, I forget what the, but uh, we'll we'll get that to you in a second. But yeah, I have a seminar out there that I'm excited about. And uh, going to Mexico with the wifey at the end of this week, that'll be fun. A friend of ours is getting married. Um, Actually, it's a, you know, I always find it really cool, like um, just the different friends that we have and how resourceful you can be when you really put your mind to it and you think about the people that you have in your corner. Um, This girl that we're going to her wedding, she helped save my brother's life because uh, she was the one that gave us direction towards um, getting my brother help, you know, in getting him into detox and stuff like that. And it's just, it's remarkable. You know, when you think if people, if people stop for a second and pause and think about the people that they have close to them that care about them, you can really find a lot of great, uh, great people in your corner that can, that can help with a lot of things. You know, I can call you at any time and, and ask you questions about the diet. And my uh, my aunt has been impacted, my cousin Stephen, as you know. And I mean, it's just been it's just been amazing. But yeah, I'm looking. I got a bunch of shit. I'm always looking forward to. I just look forward to every day, really. You know, I have a bunch of things that are set on the schedule, but I try not to even look at that because it's just every day is full with a bunch of crap. So <laughs> I try not to look at it, but uh, I just try to, you know, rev up and get energy for each day. Yeah. So Mark will be in Columbus uh, starting Friday, uh, March 6th through the 8th. And we're actually doing a strong seminar at uh C-Bus gym in Columbus, Ohio. Cool. Well, Andrew, thanks. Thanks for chiming in. Andrew, good to see you here and you again. Anyway, Mark, thank you so much. Uh, Amanda, Mark, I think Andrew, they want to maybe get, get some of the video of this. They might want to use it. I'm not sure. Can we make sure we get it to them after we record it and stuff and send them a copy? We will. I think okay, we, cool. I think we might have everything. Yeah. Already. We're all good. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you guys are recording too. Okay. Yep. Well, never mind. You guys know how to do that. <laughs> Mark, thank you so much. I don't, I want to be respectful for your time. We've been going an hour. It's been wonderful. Um, appreciate it. Look forward to continued working with you and, uh, folks, thanks for joining in. Thanks for the questions. Um, Anyway, anything, any last things to say, Mark, and then I'll, then I'll end, it, end it for everybody. No, just kind of in finishing up, you know, um, anyone that uh, is struggling with the diet, I know people get on the diet, get off the diet, they're kind of on the fence, should I do it, shouldn't I do it? You should do it, you should give it a shot, you should give it a try, and just fill yourself up with food. Anytime you have cravings, anytime you're like, shit, man, I'm really hungry, just eat, you know, eat. You know, eat meat, eat eggs, eat bacon, um, whatever foods that you really enjoy that are carnivorous. Uh, just do it, man. Just smash the food. And, and that's it's helped me a ton, you know, just smash those cravings away by just stuffing your fat face in, <laughs> until you can't handle it anymore. And eventually you will start over a period of time, you know, some of those cravings and stuff like that will go down, especially when you're eating a good amount of protein. Anybody that wants to follow along more stuff from me, you can check out Mark Bell's Power Project. In addition to that, you can check out markbell.com, which has all the information on how I'm dieting and has information on how I'm training and all that good stuff. So thank you so much for having me on the show. I appreciate it. And, and most importantly, strength is never. <laughs> yeah, strength is never weakness. Weakness is never strength. Catch you all later. All right. Thanks, Mark. Take care. Yep. I'm going to end it. Bye, guys. Bye. Poopcast, what up? Just checking in again. Uh, thank you to everybody that's been rating and reviewing the podcast. It does a ton for the show, and we really, really cannot thank you enough, but we'll do our absolute best. Today, we want to give a super-duper special shout-out to our man, Keto D. Uh, Keto D, he's uh, somebody that's 
it's a regular listener of the show. We recognize him right away. We can't thank him enough. Uh, he's somebody that's been pounding, uh, <laughs> pounding tons of meat lately. Uh, he hopped on the carnivore diet, and he actually has quite the uh, transformation already to show from it. But he he left us a rating and a review, and he says, uh, "quote Keto D sending mad love to you guys." Not even going to lie, I'm playing catch up on all my other podcasts because this one has all my attention. Love everything about this podcast and love getting educated by the very best. Hope to make it to Cali someday so I can work out with you fine gentlemen. P.S. Took a solid poop today. (laughs) Not bad, dude. Uh, Thank you so much, Keto. You know you're our boy. We really appreciate that, man. Thank you so much. If you listening right now, if you would like to hear your name and your review read on air, please head over to iTunes right now. Drop us a rating. Drop us a review. And you could hear your name on air just like our boy Keto D. We'll catch you guys on the next one. Peace.